Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances because I think this is going to drag out and eventually I do believe he will win if we don't give an inch and if we are as focused and relentless as the other side is. Do you agree with those comments? No, I don't. Uh, I disagree with Hillary Clinton. Uh, I respect her. I like her, but I think she's just flat out wrong. Yeah. So that's uh, I was. I appreciate George Stephanopoulos doing that yesterday because I was complaining about that last week. Anytime somebody on the right talks about whether or not it's going to be a, a, a fair election, oh boy, that's just uh, out of bounds. Doesn't believe in the system. No peaceful transfer of power. But as George Stephanopoulos made clear, Hillary Clinton saying, "Do not concede under any circumstances. We need to keep fighting." Okay, what is that then? Well, and she didn't do a really good job of accepting the results in 2016 either. Righty. She's kind of made a career out of not accepting them. I'm guessing one of the things that comes up in tomorrow night's debate is uh, Chris Wallace is going to give a chance for Trump to either clarify or dig a deeper hole on the whole uh, doesn't agree to a peaceful transfer of power. Um, I hope he gets that straightened out. Yes. Yeah, as frequently as the case with uh, Donald J, you kind of need to help him explain. Right. Which is uh, unfortunate because he, he gives his opponents bats to beat him with. Yep, sure does. There are some who think that that helps him in a way because he's constantly the underdog. He's constantly being unfairly treated by the media, and it, it whips up support for him. So the first debate is tomorrow night. It's in Cleveland. It's from 9 to 10.30 Eastern, 6 to... Uh... 7.30 West Coast time. It is, yeah, it's 90 minutes long, which is uh, plenty long. The candidates will appear on stage far apart. Audience is going to be there, smaller than in past, but there's going to be about oh. nine. There will be 90 people in the audience. Why? Boo, boo. Why? I have Who no idea. Who wanted that? I have no you idea. You remember the, the audience list, uh, Democratic primary debates? Everybody loved it. Without Everybody exception. Everybody said this is way better. I don't know. I would like to know what keeps that going. Is it is it, is it a gift to donors? It's no, I, well, yeah, that's part of it. I think the other part is the network likes the excitement of the crowd in the stands. They like the noise. They, I, it makes it jazzier. I think a crowd favors Trump. Depending on you know, it depends on where you choose the crowd. Sometimes they pick a crowd that is you know way uh, better for one candidate than the other. So they cheer their responses and boo the other ones. But something tells me each campaign yeah. got uh, yeah, you know, I would guess. 45 people. I think a Trump uh, Trump is helped by a crowd. But, yeah, 90 people in the crowd. Um, They're going to follow all the center of the CDC guidelines, Joe, with the masks and sitting far apart and whatnot. Debate will be 90 minutes long. No commercial breaks. It will be divided into six 15-minute segments that Chris Wallace has chosen as he is the moderator Trump and Biden's records, the Supreme Court, COVID, the economy, race and violence, and then the integrity of the election, in which obviously that question of peaceful transfer of power will come up. Very nice. I think those categories are pretty strong. Uh, Chris Wallace is good. He'll follow up. He won't uh, put up with any garbage. No garbage. But will Biden be able to come through? This is, uh, I tell you what, hey, Sean, I want to hear... Clip 35, this is in the morning when he said to uh, be at his sharpest, talking to MSNBC's Stephanie Rule. For example, the Paycheck Protection Act. You know, 1% of the money's gone out. 1%. 1% of the, uh, no, no, that's not the paycheck, the, 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 um, uh, the, uh, the bill for small, for major, for Main small businesses. Lending. 
mainstream Lenny. One percent's gone out. So I've heard a bunch of different pundits, podcasts, stuff like that, discussing how does Trump handle a Biden senior moment if he has one? What they give the- him a big fat shot in the ass and no boy, no, no, sir, put that needle away. Honest to God. How, uh, they might be giving Biden some shot in the ass. Not that, that I think that would be disqualifying, but 90 minutes when you're damn near 80 years old. I assume they're going to be standing. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a rel- relatively rigorous thing. Yeah. So is being president. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, never mind the, the 90 minutes thing. Just the, if he has a moment like that, and we pass the, uh, the, um, um, the, uh, what was it, the, the law about the, uh, I mean, because he could absolutely start naming do the senators it. who backed it. You know, it was backed by... Come on, <laughs> think about it. So, the facts, but so the how does, come on. But so how does Trump handle that? Ah. Uh, S- some smart people say kind of just more or less let it go, barely acknowledge it, let the pundits, you know, deal with it. But do you remember? It was such a great moment when Al Gore tried the looming over George Bush trick. And Bush looked at him and gave a mm, look. It was hilarious and made Gore look like a dope. Right. <laughs> I could see Trump uh, giving it a oh my look to the camera. See, this silent. That's one of the things I've always hated about debates. A facial gesture or looking at your watch or any of the other legendary debate moments. That shouldn't be how we decide a president. One zinger. I mean, they don't decide, it turns out. If you look at polls, they don't get moved that much by these debates. So that's just a false narrative. And they shouldn't be. At least, you know, overall debate, somebody comes off as generally overall this or that. I'm fine with that. But Mm -hmm. one line that everybody's going to talk about for days or years? No, those are way overrated unless the entire question is, can Joe Biden handle the presidency or is he senile? If he comes off as senile, that is an entirely different question than I was that little girl, which was just, you know, garbage anyway. Um, it's an entirely different question. Sean, were you going to say something? I don't think debates can win you an election, but I think they can lose you one. Mm. I would agree. Um, so, but, so back to how does Trump handle it? So Biden has some sort of rambling, uh, you get to record players like they did in Venezuela and, and Corn Pop and you know the thing. Or he can't remember Obama's name. So he does that or, you know, yeah. So what does Trump do? I think, I hope he goes with understated. He gives a look to the camera. Hey, whoa, boy. Did you hear that? Do we need but to reschedule this? Do we, do we need to reschedule this? <laughs> Knowing Trump, he will probably go a little farther than that and say something like that. Or even just an, oh, my. Would tomorrow night be better? Or Are you all right, Joe? Do you want me to drive you home, Joe? Something like that. See, do you want me to drive you home? Um, uh, I, so, I think he'll try to do something like that coming across. Hey, we can do this another time because the the, the downside is coming across like the who was a Julian Castro. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, awful idiot. And if you don't know Julian Castro, uh, Biden had a flub on Julian Castro. What? That's not what you said a few minutes ago. Did you forget what you said just a couple of minutes ago? You forgot what you said just a couple of minutes ago. Part of that was his tone. Oh, yeah. Part of it was his age also. 
uh, you know, some 40-year-old smartass getting in the face of an old man. That, I, that was repulsive to me. Well, and just, it was far too aggressive, and it really didn't fit. I mean, the accusation no. didn't even fit, so right. it was just, right. that it was a, a bad human being uh, being a human badly. I think Trump being also old helps a little bit. Yes, but he he can't be vicious. No, no, no. Vicious would not help him. Major senior moment, yes or no? I say yes. Clearly yes. Maybe multiple. I don't know. It's varied so much. I watched, God help me, I watched all those damn debates. And he had, <laughs> he had debates where he was fine. He was absolutely fine. And then he had debates where he said stuff you had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, it's just, I mean, right? I, I, anyway. <laughs> and as Cory Booker once said, uh, you know, he, he said very nicely after one of the debates, he said, there are, there are times when we're all on the stage just kind of looking at the podium wondering, you know, what he's saying. Yes. Well, America's paying attention now, though. Back in the day, nobody watched that stuff. No. Except us. No. Again, well, my only point we're was being he, punished for our sins, and, good, and, you know, appropriately. He had good nights and bad nights. He has a good night. I think he's going to be president, and, and just uh, there'd be no stopping it. I don't think it's possible he has a good night. 90 minutes is a long yeah, time. Yeah, come on. Those debates, he had, I think one of them, he had 12 minutes right. talking time. Right. One of them. And he generally either embarrassed himself or said something goofy or inaccurate every time he had even a few minutes, I'm telling you. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. What? <laughs> um, I'm, oh, I'm telling you. But there's I, only I one cha- feeling. If, if he has a moment like that, there's only one channel that's going to make a big deal out of it. Mm. If you're not watching Fox, they'll be discussing something Trump said. Yeah, because they're part of the resistance. We'll see. We'll see. If it is as bad as I think it might be, I think even the uh, the lamestream media will have to cover it. Though it pains them. And they'll, they'll spin it. Biden has always been gaff-prone, but was a respected <laughs> senator for... Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. You have to look at the media question through the lens of the modern media which is really from 2016 on in 2013 there's no question that a serious uh, train wreck on biden's part oh, would have sure. gotten plenty of coverage but now the woke newsrooms the uh, the marxists who who run the new york times newsroom the rest that barry weiss we're talking about yeah it's a different time i will uh, i will harken back to obama uh met one in which Obama was, like many uh, incumbent presidents, disdainful of being questioned. He came off as aloof, uh, apathetic, um, unengaged. I, I listened to a podcast the other day. Why do I do this sort of thing? They went through every presidential debate. Uh, uh, there haven't been that many, by the way, uh, for reasons we talked about a couple of weeks ago. There haven't been that many. But and all but one, the sitting president had a terrible first debate. Mm-hmm. And all but one. The difference being then Obama bounced back in debate number two. His, his handlers obviously got to him, or Michelle screamed at him, and he uh, he was he was back to being Obama. And the moderator fact-checked wrongly Mitt Romney on the spot. Right. Which oh, didn't hurt. Horrible. Um, that's right. The infamous Candy Crowley moment. On the other hand, if Biden comes off as clearly senile, 
especially if it's in the first hour. It's almost got to be in the first hour to make any difference. Um, and that many people see it. If he's sharp in the second debate, you can't. I don't think you can undo that. You can't unring that that bell. Um, so I I I, just, bad, I think how, this how one is unique. How bad's it got to be? He calls Obama Grover Cleveland. Or... <laughs> That's not going to happen. That would be an odd mistake. <laughs> he wanders off. He uh, just no, leaves. No, no, it doesn't have to be that bad. I mean, play uh, play thirty five again for me. He does a Nadler. What if he? It's like the oh man. For example, the Paycheck Protection Act. You know, one percent of the money's gone out. One percent, one percent of the. Uh, the not, that's not the paycheck. The 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 um, uh, the uh, the bill for small for major for small businesses. I think that would Amazing be enough. Really? Yeah. Gone out. Mm, I yeah. think I think if it was deep into a debate that he'd otherwise done okay, he'd be all right. But I think if he led with something like that, it's over. <laughs> what do you think? Email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Openings across the country. Maybe we'll take a look at that this hour. It sure does vary from place to place. Holy cow. Depending on the politics of that place. Oh, absolutely. We got a text last week from somebody who said, our schools are closed two miles away. They're open. Yeah. Tell me what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, uh, I'm trying. There's one more little thing I want to find. I can't find it. Um. So, a uh, tweet over the weekend uh, from one of the great racial thinkers of our time, according to the woke crowd, who inflict this guy on their organizations and they make people read his book. Um, I speak of Ibram X. Kendi, who's some sort of a fellow at some university now, which is uh, unbelievable to me. But this is the racism, anti racism guy. You're either a racist or you're an anti racist. And he and his minions define what anti-racism is moment to moment, and you will obey them in in every way, or you will be declared a racist and run out of your job, that sort of thing. They're um, they're, they're ideological terrorists in a way. But this uh, Ibram X. Kendi tweeted of Amy Coney Barrett, who's... Um, has the uh, the seven children, two of them adopted from Haiti. Some white colonizers, quote, adopted black children. They civilized these savage children in the superior ways of white people while using them as props in their lifelong pictures of denial, while cutting the biological parents of these children out of the picture of humanity. And whether this Barrett or not is not the point. It's a belief too many white people have. They can have or adopt a child of color then they can't be racist. I'm challenging the idea that the white parents of kids of color are inherently not racist, and the boots completely change what I'm saying to white parents of kids of color are inherently racist. These live and fake bots are good at their propaganda. Let's not argue with them. Uh, Tim Sandifer actually replied to them, uh, to him uh, quite brilliantly. He said, you yourself have said that you're either racist or anti-racist and there's no not racist so you're saying people who adopt children of color are racists 
um, which is a hell of a claim. This guy is getting rich. Him and that, 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 that woman with her horrific white fragility drivel. They do seminars. What I was trying to find was Tim Sandifer actually referred to the fact that Ibram X. Kendi did like a half-hour speech for $25,000 the other day lecturing some poor company's people yeah. about how to be anti-racist. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. They're just getting rich. Um, number of great responses to that. Uh, David Professor David Bernstein says, Number of black orphans Kendi has adopted, zero. Number Barrett has adopted, two. Is he fooling anyone by trying to turn those figures into him being the moral exemplar? Mm, and, yeah, it is. And then this is great. Robert Trasinski, whose work I don't know, um, his caption is, there you go, the racist, anti-racist fist, fist bump. And this is straight out of the woke and racist become best friends uh, audio that we've played for you a couple of times. Uh, noted white supremacist Richard Spencer commented on Ibram Kendi's uh, uh, white colonizers adopting black savages tweet. He says, not wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is straight out of that video. <laughs> Racist and anti-racist fist bumping. Yeah, keep to your kind. Yeah, keep to your kind. What are these white people doing adopting black kids, says the Klan, and says Ibram, what's his name? Right. What are you dating somebody of a different skin tone than you are, says the Klan and Ibram X. Kendi. It's fabulous. They could be best friends. We're going to see them walking down a beach hand in hand soon. Yeah, it is. It is. And your company is paying tens of thousands of dollars to have these people lecture you. Oh, I feel for you. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But we want to do everything we possibly can to avoid an absolute shutdown. In other words, get the cases under control by the common sense types of things that we've been talking about all along, those public health measures. We can do that. Now's the time, actually, to double down a bit. And I don't mean close. When I say that, People get concerned that we're talking about shutting down. We're not talking about shutting anything down. We're talking about common sense type of public health measures that we've been talking about all along. How am I going to double down then? I wear a mask everywhere I go. It's the law where I live in a lot of places. What am I going to do that I'm not doing now? Nothing's open. I haven't gotten the vid, so obviously I'm doing pretty well, right? Going to work every day. We're in our little group. Hmm. I stay away from you people. You might have General to, principle. You might have to let me know about the Joe Montana Thwart's kidnapping oh, story. That's unbelievable. Stay tuned for that. It's nightmarish. Old uh, Joe switching to the defense there temporarily. A quick apropos of nothing joke from a comedian tweeting over the weekend before I get to news. Little dang humor. There you go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Ventriloquist Club. The first rule here is do not talk about Ventriloquist Club with your lips moving. Ha ha, just a little joke to get us started. Obviously, the first rule is don't fall in love with your puppet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I thought that was hilarious. That's odd. Oh, boy. Um, Puppets are human beings, too. Uh, back puppets. to the serious. China is raising ancient Uyghur shrines and thousands of mosques 
The fact that the word raising means tearing down is always uh, graded on me. Okay, I'll just go with destroying. They're destroying ancient <laughs> Uyghur shrines and thousands of mosques. Yeah. In a campaign to, well, do away with a segment of their society. They're just ending it. You don't, this doesn't exist anymore. This whole, this is your whole heritage thing? Yeah. yeah we no, decided no, no, that's no. not the case. There can be only one religion. There can only be one system of beliefs. Belief in the party. For the umpteenth time, nobody should ever get away with saying never again. Because obviously that's bogus. The world is not lifting a finger to stop this. As a matter of fact, in many cases, any of the countries that could do anything about it are still profiting mightily off of China while they destroy thousands of mosques. It's incredible. Yeah. Horrifying. There can be only one culture. Uh, California closing prisons. I plan to talk about that later. Thank God we're closing prisons so we can open more schools. Say people with heads. schools, not prisons. Say people with heads so soft they should always wear helmets. Indeed. Um, And uh, more on Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett, ACB. I need to just go with ACB. They are going to uh, start the hearings October 12th, Lindsey Graham has announced. And it's planned to last through October 15th. My math would have that at three days. Lindsey Graham doesn't announce. He declares. (laughs) I do declare. Three days. And there's nothing the Democrats can really do to uh, change the math of that. So She's on the freaking appeals court. She did to clerk for Scalia. She's a law school professor at Notre Dame. Everybody knows everything there is to know about her. Let's not waste time. Let's get it on. The Post and ABC did a poll and found that 57% of people say it should be left to the winner of the presidential election to choose. Only 38% say that uh, the Republicans should or Trump should pick somebody and get them through. As I tweeted over the weekend... I don't think those numbers matter. This is why we have a constitutional republic and not a moment-by-moment referendum-driven democracy <laughs> right. where whatever the, the, the whim of the ill-informed mob happens to be at the moment, that's the law we go with. That would, that would be a horrific way to run a country. Yeah, I, with all due respect, I need to know... Uh, give me a random sample. Fifteen of those people who answered the survey. I have, a sev- I have several questions to ask them about their knowledge of the topic. On the other hand, this reminds me a little bit of the uh, Mitch McConnell gamble, not hearing, uh, not holding the hear- hearings on Merrick Garland. If you can get away with it and get reelected, then you got away with it. If you can't, you can't. And in this case, you know, they're saying, no, it's, it's the president and the Senate of the same party. Of course we're going to do it. The Senate doesn't have to take it up. It's a gamble. It's a Democratic gamble, but they won it last time. How would you like some good COVID-slash-business news? How would you like some good news? Got that for you next. This is also good news. Car Shield is a great idea. Um, so you got a car, you bought it new or uh, pretty new, and it had the bumper-to-bumper warning. Oh, that's a good feeling, that warranty. But then it goes out of warranty, and then that's it, then a bad feeling. you hear a weird sound or whatever, or the engine light comes on, check engine light, that's terrible. Cars, not with CarShield. Car is not steering right. Oh, no. Yeah, with CarShield, they offer a wide range of protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repairs, which means that check engine light is a lot less scary when it comes on. And you still have the freedom to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work. CarShield gets the rest taken care of, which is absolutely fantastic. 
And uh, they're, they've got over 1 million drivers. The, America's number one auto protection company is CarShield. Did you know that? Yep. It's in effect while you're traveling, too. So, hey, all you have to do is go to CarShield.com and use the code Armstrong to save 10%. That's CarShield.com. Use the code Armstrong. Or just go to 1-800-CAR-6000. That's 800-CAR-6000. Again, use the uh, code Armstrong. But I think most of you are probably going to go to CarShield.com and use Armstrong. Uh, very briefly, we all need to practice this. I practiced it over the weekend. Then I started to doubt it. Amy Coney Barrett. I'm just going to go an ACB. M, then an N. I'm just going to go Amy. ACB. That's that's a better idea. Yeah. I'm not going to try to say her name anymore. The notorious ACB. There you go. Um, is it insane to start a business during coronavirus? Millions of Americans don't think so. From the Wall Street Journal. I thought this was great. Rising from the pandemic's destruction, a million new businesses. Applications for employer identification numbers that entrepreneurs need to start a business have passed 3.2 million so far this year, compared to 2.7 million at the same time last year. Well, uh, that includes uh, gig economy workers and other independent contractors who may have struck out on their own after being laid off. Now, a lot of these won't pan out. Pan out. More than half of new employer businesses fail within five years. That's the stat. More than half of new businesses started by some employer, fail within five years. But then that means half don't, mm-hmm. which is pretty good news. Business applications are growing at um, an amazingly high pace. And uh, it just it shows what you can do in a, in a, uh, when you've got our uh, culture and, and laws and regulations to allow this sort of thing to happen. The pandemic has closed hundreds of thousands of businesses across the country. But new applications are rising at the fastest rate since 2007. A mix of necessity and opportunity. I think that's absolutely fantastic. I think if we can get past the vid, you're going to see an explosion of entrepreneurship and, and, and creative energy in this country, which would be great. We're going to need it yeah. to head off a, a horrible economic collapse. Well, as a lot well, not of collapse, but long, slow period of, of ugh. As Trump and others have pointed out, you know, None of the, the the basics of what made the economy as great as it was, you know, leading up to March have changed. Right. It, it should, you know, it should go back to that. And a lot of these businesses, while they went out of business and it's horrible and, you know, life changing if you ran that business. And, but if there was demand on that corner for a coffee shop, there's still demand for a coffee shop. Yeah, my question has always been how long does it take to bounce back? A long time. Because, you know, the, the coffee shop closed down and the guy who sells them cups had to shut down yep. and the guy yep. who transports yep. the beans shut down and no, all that's got to restart. No, it'll take a while. Or, or, or get recreated. So there's a new book out about James Comey I want to get to that uh, is not good for James Comey. And it's coming out of a Washington Post reporter that we like. Uh, tell me the Joe Montana story. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, they're at their home... Uh, in L.A. County, his grandchild is sleeping in a playpen when an unknown woman just walks into the home in Malibu and grabs the child out of the playpen. Montana and his, his wife, Jennifer, um, confronted the woman, who authorities later identified as Sodzai Dalzal, and they tried to de-escalate the situation and asked her to give the grandchild back. She did not... And after a tussle, oh boy, Jennifer Montana pried the child out of Dalzell's arms. 
Well, how old are the, these people? Oh, What's Joe? Mid sixties. Joe's sixty four. I don't know. How, I don't know how old his wife is. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, too old to be wrestling. Yeah, four time Super Bowl winner Joe Montana. For some reason, I picture him in his jersey. He probably doesn't always wear a jersey. Huh? I'm guessing he doesn't much. 49ers no. jersey or Chiefs jersey. Matt alternate. I don't know how he goes How about, about that? They tried to negotiate first, and the gal who says, I mean, clearly she's fruit nuts. Well, that's what I was going to say. So this seems to be a, a mental patient as opposed to like some sort of carefully planned extortion of a rich family. It's hard to say. Uh, the sheriff's office declined to release any more information, citing that the case was still ongoing. Well, when she's got the baby in, in her hands... You definitely have to de-escalate. Right. It it doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter what her motivation is, but there's no way to tell unless she is clearly, you know, cuckoo. Uh, but, yeah, evidently Joe, uh, I, I'm guessing, I'm picturing, Joe put the, uh, the full Nelson on her, or, uh, or a little chokehold as Jill was grabbing a baby. He was in his jersey. And pants. And he yelled, and Omaha, shoulder pads. Omaha, and he dropped yeah. the bat, and he hit her right in the face with the football. He speared her with his helmet on. Wow, that is unbelievable. Uh, scary situation, writes the uh, Hall of Famer. Thank you to everybody who's reached out. Thankful everyone's doing well. We appreciate your respect for our privacy at this time. We used to talk to Devlin Barrett a lot from the Washington Post. We like kind of liked his act, and he's yeah, got a he's book a nice out. Fella. He's got a book out about James Comey, which is not uh, Comey can't be liking this one. <laughs> Called October Surprise. I'll tell you something about the, the 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 highlights of the book. That story is not over yet. Oh, Comey's getting questioned. Is it this week? In front of uh, one of your committees. Oh, is it this week? I think so. Nah, it's too, too much. much going on. Too much. <laughs> too much. We can't handle it. Give us Slow a break. down, world. That, among other things, on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He paid $70,000 to cut his hair. Look, Donald Trump cut his own hair, so I'm not really sure where the $70,000 came from. It seems like a lot of money um, for for a haircut. Cohen, Trump cuts his own hair. That was a revelation there. Trump cuts his own hair? That explains it. Hmm. Um, so, uh, James Comey's in the news a lot. Uh, I'm kind of over his act. If I never saw him again, it'd be fine with me, but he is going to testify and be asked some questions, which is legit because it's worth getting to the bottom of a lot of your guys knew that whole thing was bogus and you were spying on people and what gives. I'm all for pursuing that to the end. And hounding uh, old General Flynn into a phony prosecution, if you believe uh, some people, and I'm, I think I do. So Comey in real life is testifying, I think this week, Showtime has a two-part like mini-movie thingy, mini-series thing with Jeff Daniels playing James Comey. Oh, really? That's going on. I'm not sure I need it fictionalized, honestly. I'm not sure I need that either. And then uh, a real-life book that's out, October Surprise. How the FBI tried to save itself and crashed an election from Devlin Bear to the Washington Post, who we used to talk to a lot. And there's just a couple of nuggets in here I thought that were pretty interesting. First of all, in the review of the book, in the Washington Post, 
Comey's conduct through the 2016 campaign has aged less like a fine wine and more like the remnants of last week's fish dinner. Oh. The further we get from the events, the more they stink. A pungent metaphor. Comey, having done an amazing job of making like the Fox crowd hate him and the Washington Post crowd hate him. It's an ironic verdict for a man who at every turn of the maelstrom of 2016 in his brief tenure under Trump seemed confident that history would vindicate him. Despite Comey's perspective of himself, history has only further sullied his reputation, and this book adds to the portrait. <laughs> Oof. I'm happy to see this. I'm happy to see that the guy walks with his literally with his nose in the air when he walks down hallways. Uh-huh. I am above all of you people. <laughs> literally and figuratively. I am all, I answer only to what is good and right. And everybody thinks you're And I a, will decide what that is. And everybody thinks you're a jerk. Yeah. Everybody. I'm unlikely to read the book, but I'd like no. to I'd like somebody to like summarize it into the best fifteen pages. Well, I I took a couple of things here from the review that don't really have anything. This one doesn't have anything to do with anything other than just like gossip, really. One delicious revelation in the book centers on an email Trump's assistant Rob Porter sent to Comey informing him that informing him that the president was firing him. You remember that story? I do. That Comey got fired from across the country by email. I mean, Trump didn't call him in like you should and talk to him face-to-face, or at the very least, call him on the phone. But you got the FBI director, you got to bring him in your office. Yeah. You got to talk to him face-to-face. I guess when they decided to fire him, they found out he was on the other side of the country. You still, you got to bring him back. You can't. Of course, he is the guy that was going around claiming the whole PP tape story was real and that he had to I have to I need to inform you of this, Mr. President. And he was when, clearly the guy leaking it when he and all his people knew it was completely BS leaking the story, not the PP. Sorry. Anyway, clarity is so important. Back to the delicious revelation. Yes. Um, Trump's assistant sent Comey an email informing him that the president was firing him. At the time, Comey was in L.A. speaking to FBI employees. During his talk, he was alerted to breaking news reports on television that he had lost his job. He had received no phone call from the White House, no conversation, just the email, and a hand-delivered letter to his empty office in D.C. Whoops. But Barrett reports, even if he'd been staring at his phone, Comey would not have received the uh, president's Email announcing his dismissal, the White House email to the FBI director had been intercepted by the FBI's spam filter and sent to his spam. (laughs) Wow. I don't even know what that means, but it's funny. Wow. (laughs) So they don't have some sort of system where the White House, where the president can email the FBI director and it doesn't go to spam? You don't have some sort of way to avoid that? That reminds me, I've got to try once again to deal with my similar idiotic problem. After Ugh. the brouhaha over his firing, Comey, Comey finally found the message in his junk folder the next day. When he forwarded it to his chief of staff, he included a short knowing a note saying, history does have a sense of humor. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But one of the most surprising observations from Barrett's book is just how little good faith Comey apparently showed others during the tumult of 2016. By mid-2016, Barrett writes, Justice Department officials had come to suspect Comey viewed himself as the most moral, ethical actor in any room he was in. Much later, several of them came to believe his sense of moral superiority was driven in part by viewing even straightforward conversations with his superiors in a sinister light. He always believed that he was the one true star in every room that understood what is right 
and looked at everybody else's conversations with a sinister eye, thinking, there's something wrong with you. I know what is right. And everybody around him knew that. People who worked under him, people who worked above him, mm-hmm. all knew he was that kind of guy. It's interesting. Yeah, it, and it's good to have standards. I mean, obviously, you want to be a, an example of moral rectitude and the rest of it. But when you start thinking of yourself as a saint... That's when you get crazy. Well, how about violating uh, department policies? Yeah, sure. Over and over again. Because well, I, they, well, it's the written policy, yet I have seen the true way. Or the way he looks at the world, those policies are in place because lesser men than me need those policies right. to keep right. them on the straight and narrow. I know the boundaries of what is right. A driver as skilled as me need not limit my speed to 65 exactly i will be fine what a piece of work he is yeah i know the lanky lawman i know it i wonder if those chips are gonna fall i keep hearing i'm dead please the whole the durham report is uh, nearing the something around the place just stop it no no chips will fall. no chips ever fall no no chips ever fall almost never benghazi the uh the biden wins the uh, white house the chips will remain hovering melting down the economy of the world in 2008 all kinds of different things. Chips do not fall. What's that? What's that metaphor anyway? Is that a poker thing? The chips will fall. Wait till the chips fall. Let the chips fall where they may. Is that a, uh, yeah. What uh, sort of chips? Like wood chips? Lays? Is that a wood chipper? Potato? Uh, potato chips? I actually don't know. I thought it was a gambling thing. I assumed it was a gambling Let thing. The but the chips fall where they may. Put them in the middle of the table where they belong. Don't splash the pot. Huh? <laughs> uh, more on ACB, who is going to be the next Supreme Court justice. There's no getting around that. And the Washington Post fact-checked uh, fact a major claim about her. Armstrong and Getty.